Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. We have got a great show for you today. We're having Bob Dahl, a chartered financial analyst, chief equity strategist at Nuveen Capital Management, is going to come on and talk to us about the economy, what he has seen in the first half, what we're looking forward to for the rest of the year. And then in the second half of our show, we are going to go over nine investment pitfalls that you should try and avoid. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Keith. And, you know, we want to dedicate today's program to a, a person that has been with us for 24 years that passed away this past week. Michael Fuller, uh, we want to just dedicate the program to him and his family. Send out our condolences, of course, to Marie and Bruce and Shelby. Uh, just uh, a great guy. A great guy. Uh, one great of those, friend. Uh, one of those guys that's been on the program with us several times. Just uh, you know, consistently served and worked hard in the planning department. He um, kind of headed up the whole idea around e-money. I mean, he just uh, was a technician and yet had clients. That he worked so well with his clients. They, uh, I've been receiving emails from them, and uh, it's just great to hear what they are saying about their advisor and how he led them through some. I mean, one guy said, you know, hey, when Michael worked with me, I had nothing. And, uh, boy, Michael took me on and, and worked. And, and, you know, just so we dedicate the program to Michael Fuller and uh, CPA, CFP, CLU, CHFC, all the things that, you know, that uh, you had to have in order to be in our business. Right. And he just kind of did the things that were there behind the scenes a lot uh, because he worked with the advisors to help them with their clients. And then he worked with his clients, too. Dedicated Christian man. Uh, <laughs> what I liked about him his walk and his talk matched. That's exactly right. It really did. Uh, and unfortunately, it's an illustration of what we were talking about uh, last week. You Sometimes you just can't know. Um, you know, Michael was awfully young, 52. You know, he had spoken that morning to some of our young advisors. He was a teacher. Definitely and, was. Uh, a great teacher. And, uh, you know, and then uh, it just uh, Wednesday morning, uh, unexpectedly, a heart attack and a very young man. So uh, it's... Uh, we want to pause for just a few minutes, just in memory of Michael, uh, for his family and uh, what he stood for and uh, his dedication and service to us. So if we could, we'll just pause for just a second for, for, for memory of Michael. Well, again, we just want to say uh, how much we appreciated Michael and uh, to Marie and to Bruce and Shelby. Uh, we thank you guys for allowing us to just dedicate this program to him and to his memory and to his service to us in, in the office. So we do have Bob Dahl coming up. And well, we do. And we're going to talk about these investment pitfalls and uh Pitfalls. Uh, I mean, that tells me that there are things maybe we shouldn't do. So Bob's going to tell us what he thinks going on for the rest of the year. And then when uh, we get through with Bob, we're going to move into 
nine investment pitfalls, which I think are pretty strong when you look at the things we shouldn't do. They really are. You know, we talk a lot about some of the things that we look at from an emotional aspect of investing. And one of them is kind of recency bias that we think, you know, what's happened recently is what's going to continue to happen. And we looked back at the S&P 500. We've had a really strong five and a half year bull market well, about was, to come up on I it. I was looking at numbers. Uh, I mean, they're just uh, great numbers. Great I numbers. Mean, and, you know, and I don't we don't take credit for that, except that asset allocation, diversification and rebalancing are very critical. You know, we've had limited volatility. And, uh, we really and, have. And that's kind of part of the thing that kind of lulls us to sleep. We'll talk more about that, but uh, let's go ahead and take our break and then come back with Bob Dahl. I know limited volatility is something that a lot of people wonder, what does that really mean? We'll talk about it. We'll talk about that. If you're just joining us, you can always listen to us in one of four ways, either on the radio at AM 990, go onto the internet, search for our homepage, kwam990.com. Just go onto the left-hand side, click on Watch and Listen Live, and you can listen to us on the internet. Or go to the App Store, download our free mobile app, KWAM 990, and listen to us on your mobile device. And finally, you can now go to iTunes, uh, search for Shoemaker Financial Talk Money, and you can pull up a podcast of some of our previous shows, and you can listen to us that way as well. Uh, please stick around. We're going to check out traffic weather, see what's going on in New York with Market Watch. but we will be right back with Bob Dahl. Thanks for joining us. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker on Talk Money every Friday morning from 8 to 9. Of course, this portion of our program is brought to you by the MBA department at Union University. Just reach out and give Renee Victory a call, and she'd be happy to walk you through the application process. And most people, I don't know, I guess maybe I could get into the MBA program. I think they might Why take you in. take me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I want to go there. <laughs> we have a great guest, and he always does a great job for us, and we want to welcome He is the Chief Equity strategist and senior portfolio manager for Bob. He is Bob Dahl. He's a CFA. Bob, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. Hi, Keith. Good morning, sir. We, Bob, one of the things that we know, there, there's been this anticipation. In fact, last time we talked, we talked about, you know, corrections and all these things. But it just seems clear to us that, the, you know, the U.S. economy and the U.S. growth seems to be kind of shifting gears a little bit and getting a little faster, even though we get some type of a jobs report that comes back that is way lower than what was expected. So give us your take. What's your thinking? Yeah, I'm uh, with your thought. That is the uh, U.S. economy has been the last few months and continues shifting from, uh, you know, tolerable to a little better than tolerable. We're still not setting any records, Jim, but the truth is we're no longer, I'll use round numbers, we're no longer growing at 2% real. We're growing more like 3% real. doesn't sound like a big difference, but the difference between 2 and 3 in terms of corporate America's ability to grow their revenues and maintain or enhance their profit margins is a big deal. What about outside of U.S., though? I mean, is that is that dragging us down? Is that putting a little more caution to us because of the U.S.? I mean, U.S. seems to be doing better, but outside the U.S., your thoughts there? Yeah, outside the U.S., it's a pretty mixed bag, as you're implying with your question, uh, starting with Europe, with, uh, you know, continues to, to struggle um, uh, for lots of reasons. One, a central bank that was slow in getting aggressive. Our, our Fed was quick to get there. Two, uh, issues currently related to the sanctions in Russia. And three, uh, increasing uh, demographic issues. Many of those countries are actually shrinking in population. So I turn it around. Most people think a weak rest of the world is not great for the U.S. A weak rest of the world 
means commodity prices fall. Guess who the biggest per capita users of commodities in the world is? Good old U.S. of A. Mm. So if commodities go down, that's a tailwind for us. So I'm not sure it's uniformly negative just because the rest of the world's struggling a bit. Now, if they go into recession, different story, but a, a muddling through Europe is actually pretty good news for the U.S., Well, Bob, we've seen that this week with the European Central Bank and Mario Draghi had came out and they did cut their rates, cut the cut all three of their main interest rates by 10 basis points. And now they're even talking about a, you know, a quantitative easing program, buying asset backed securities. What are we taking away from that? Does that fit into the theme of Europe is is slow growth, but there is uh, some bright spots? Yeah, I, I, my first comment is finally, finally, finally. I mean, where have they been? <laughs> I'm not uh, throwing stones. It's much more difficult there. You've got a whole bunch of different constituencies politically to deal with, whereas in the U.S. it's just one, as hard as that is. Uh, but but it's, you know, you, you wonder where, where have they been? I, I like to put it, the Fed learned that we had some problems, the bursting of the biggest credit bubble in our history, and that required pedal to the metal. Uh, accelerator to the floor, however you want to phrase it, in order to reflate the system. And we're having some success here in the U.S. Europe needs that desperately, and the measures you just outlined are a move in that direction. Just wish they had gone there sooner. Well, at some point, I mean, I know we're, it's in everybody's mind, you kind of, you know, you don't, you pick up the paper, you read it, you listen to the news. At some point, and we kind of, everybody's anticipating the Fed will begin to increase interest rates at uh, you know, so in your thoughts, um, is this still months away? Is it imminent? Is it going to happen in 2014? I mean, and did the employment report this morning change your opinion? Change your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, a so good the employment point. report was a little weak. Uh, last month was a little stronger than expected. Right. Uh, you know, average of the last three, and it's kind of on consensus and a good, not a great number. And uh, you know, it's it's good enough that the U.S. economy is figuring how to stand up on its own two feet. That's how I like to phrase it. Once the U.S. economy is up on its own two feet, it doesn't need massive help from the Fed any longer. And that's why uh, the Fed is tapering. They'll complete that this fall, as we all know, in another month or so. And then the next step is to say, okay, when do we begin to? I'm not going to say raise. I'll use the word normalize rates, which of course means raise rates. And that's, you know, months away, and the data will tell us when. My guess is it'll ha- start in the second quarter of next year, uh, which is enough time um, that uh, we don't need to we, we need to have it on our back burner, but not our, on our front burner. And oh, by the way, when the Fed begins to raise rates, that's usually good news for stocks because Fed's raising rates because the economy is doing better. The first stages of rate increases are usually good for stocks. Later on, when the Fed leans against the economy to slow it down, not good for stocks, but but, but we're a long ways away from that. Okay, a long ways away from that, but there seems to be, Bob, a kind of a diverging mindset. I mean, bonds seem to be teetering and, and concerned, and yet we've had, if Keith and I were talking the other day, if we would have been a betting individuals, we would have bet that the bond market would not have been as strong as it's been this year so far. And so, and yet there seems to be this movement between bonds and, and stocks, and the signals seem to be different. So help us through that, because a lot of our investors, a lot of listeners are saying, well, should I be all in stocks or should I be? And, of course, we say diversification, asset allocation, but what's your thoughts? I mean, there seems to be kind of a push-pull or more pulling than pushing. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, there are lots of uh, unanswerables uh, in in my view. I, I would agree with you. The way I phrase it is the biggest 
investment surprise of 2014 to date has been that the 10-year Treasury <laughs> moved from 3% to 240. Um, and uh, so here we are. Um, it's done that for a bunch of reasons. The economy a little weaker than expected, especially in the first quarter, as we all know. And then the things in Europe that draw down rates, and, and, and you, you know the rest of the story. My view, looking forward, as opposed to in the rearview mirror, is that everything has risk and reward. And I think when you look at bonds, um, the reward's not very great, and the risk is increasing. I don't think a 240 return from a 10-year treasury over the next 10 years is a good deal at all. Uh, and so I would be underweight bonds in general and governments in particular. Uh, I think that uh, equities, the risk-reward is more favorable. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pound the table with stocks having tripled in the last five years, uh, but I am still of the view that stocks are more interesting than bonds. So whatever, and I agree with your word, dis- diversification, but whatever my normal asset mix, asset mix is, I still want a little more in equities than my norm and a little less in fixed income. When we were talking before the program started, and we kind of introduced this before we had you on the air, we talked about limited volatility. During 2008 to 2011, you know, the index, the S&P gained at least or lo- gained or lost at least 3 uh, percent a single trading day 85 times, Bob. And this is something we're looking at from source of some research that we have been doing. But 85 times or more than, you know, 8 percent of the trading days. That's 8 percent of the trading days had moved up and down. So that's pretty. That's big movements. That's pretty good of- movements. Now, though, Bob, from 1-1-2012, January of 2012 through just last Friday, uh, we've not had one, not gained or lost at least three percent in a single day. So there's been we've almost lulled ourselves to into this mindset that volatility doesn't exist in the market anymore. I know our NIST listeners need to hear you say that's not healthy. Yes, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Uh, complacency. I hate to uh, say moment, but that's, did I say it? And didn't, that's right. Make it, you knew I was going to agree with you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I mean, how, but Bob, that's a big issue for a lot of people. You know what I'm talking about. You talk to a lot of clients. You talk to a lot of people. They get to the thinking that, hey, the last 24 months, that's what it's going to do for the next 24 months. And I know that's yeah, not that's, the case. Yeah, and I want just, you to just like the last 24 months of not been normal. The three-year period you cited with so many wasn't normal either. The truth is somewhere in between. And my guess is, you know, looking forward, uh, volatility will be lower than the earlier period, but higher than the recent period. Tolerable, normal. Um, And, and, you know, worrying about one-day moves um, can get a lot of people in a lot of trouble. The the question is, what what, what do rolling three- and five- and ten-year periods look like and that's what our investment horizon should be. And we, 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 we close our eyes and hold our nose when we get those uh, days that go in the wrong direction. You think the bull market, and, and Keith, and we, you know, you can talk about this too, but we, the bull market seems to be, I mean, you know, it's kind of like any bull. You only run for so long. Right. Maybe, maybe losing a little bit of esteem. Is that going to contribute somewhat, Bob, to the volatility? Yeah, so, so here, here's the way I put it. Uh, we, we've enjoyed, let's just take calendar 2014, the first half uh, very low volatility and about 1% per month return on average. I don't think that's normal. To me, going forward, given our starting point, we're going to have somewhat higher volatility, not ridiculous, but higher than where we've been. And if I can get a half a percent per month, uh, that's 6% a year. I had two points for the dividend yield on the stock market. Get, that gets me 8% return. I don't think I'm going to get 8% in virtually any other financial asset. Mm. 
That's a good point. That's a great point. Bob, when you're looking at volatility, and we talked a lot, you know, in the past about how businesses are feeling and, you know, corporate profits and business investment and business confidence. Are we seeing that? Is that still a, another positive for the U.S. economy and for corporate profits? I believe unquestionably, yes. The theme I use for the 10 predictions I do at the beginning of each year is less fear and more confidence. And I think that really is the story of comparing 14 to 13, especially when it comes to corporate America. Uh, In 2013, they were scared to do anything but buy back stock and raise dividends. This year, they're hiring workers, uh, they're doing capital expenditures, they're buying companies to to, uh, increase their growth rate. They're acting with more confidence, and that's good news for for the bottom line of corporations. At the end of the day, we know it's earnings that move stocks. I I guess I mean that's such a wise I mean thought process there. I mean, well, and that's looking at the fundamentals, getting away from you know a lot of these swings that we see, a lot of these three percent you know days that we had were a lot of emotional reasons for you know for the market to sell off or to go up. And and Bob's saying to us very basically, stick with the fundamentals. And and I guess when this the latter part of the program, we're going to talk about investment pitfalls. And so I guess my thought is, he's telling us don't get caught up in the news and the media. Stick with the fundamentals, and he's giving us those. And Bob, you know, this is kind of the thought process. I guess there's so many – the media does such a job sometimes of creating issues. You know, give us your view as far as the, the overall – I mean, inflation, central bank policies, you know, what are you, what's your thought with the Fed? I mean, the whole bit. I mean, the, the idea of corporate earnings, you just mentioned those. Can you give us that big summary statement that kind of closes it for us? Because I think it's so wise to listen to you. You give me such an insight, and I think it's important for our listeners to get the, the summary statement. Shouldn't we take a well, break? Well, i tell you what. Let's take a break because I don't want to interrupt Bob well, when, he, when he does this. All right. See, I knew you were in charge. <laughs> I always know you are in oh, charge. Oh, boy, is that an illusion. <laughs> Between the two guys that are, hey, Bob, you know what? Maybe I ought to call you later because you know, obviously I'm not in charge. <laughs> <laughs> If you're just joining us and you've listened to our program in the past, you don't have any question that Jim Shoemaker is in charge. (laughs) But Jim and I are here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. But now let's take a break and go to Charles Osgood for the Osgood file. But stick around and we'll come right back with Bob Dahl to get his overview of everything that's going on with the U.S. economy and the markets. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Of course, this portion of our program is brought to you by the MBA Department of Union University, Germantown. If you have any interest in finding out more about the program, just give Renee Victory a call and she'd be happy to talk to you about it. And, of course, we have on the phone with us uh, Bob Dahl, who is the Chief of Equity Strategist and single and Senior. Boy, I'm struggling with that today. Single, Senior, Senior Portfolio Manager. Bob, of course, serves as the Leading Manager of Equity Investing Team at Nuveen Asset Management and always is a great guest for us, does a phenomenal job, helps us understand things that uh, he's smart. He's really smart, but he, the way he says it is really great. Saying normalizing rates rather than raising <laughs> rates. I mean, just that implication that we're getting back where we should be and that we're, Somehow in, he's you know, a it's great. Good, good communicator. You Very know? good. I mean, does this pretty pretty good. That's why he's uh, a yeah, senior. I think he's, uh, yeah, yeah, he's kind of done this before, I think. Yeah, I think. <laughs> More than once. Work, <laughs> More than once. More than once. Bob, we, during the break, we were talking about just uh, how 
to summarize, and, and you mentioned, and I really am going to copy it because I, I, I actually it's right in a great statement that this is in our career, and it really it's very true, this is the least believable market. And I want you to explain that to the listening audience because that is that's big because I mean that's we, we don't say that. That was he said it, but the reality is we sense that all the time. We do. And so Bob, help us with what you mean when you say now, when I least. say this is the least believable market in my career, it, it, it means that, you know, when I interact with investors, I meet a lot of people who are despite five years and a tripling into it, still scared that the bottom's going to drop out. The bottom did drop out. We know that. It does every once in a while, unfortunately, and then it comes back. Um, but, you know, the conditions that cause that are, 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 are not prevalent anymore. Just look at interest rates. Uh, short-term interest rates are zero. They cover up a lot of problems to the extent we have them. So my point is people are more scared looking about, oh, I've got some money invested, am I going to lose it, rather than, oh, my goodness, I've got cash on the sideline. If I don't put it, I'm going to miss the upside. Bull markets do not end when people are more concerned about losing money than they are about missing the upside. And that's one of the reasons I say we keep climbing these walls of worry. Mm, that's a, well, Jim, that is a great point because typically we see it, as Bob said, exactly the opposite. Yep. People are coming into the market. All the money flows in. It's the pain trade. The you euphoria, know, the and that's when, the, that's when it, it's not there. And so there's still there. enough fear that uh, I like it. that's a positive. <laughs> and, we, and we'll eventually get there. Oh, yes, uh, we, we always do. We always get that everybody believes it. And, uh, you know, if you're not in, you're a fool kind of thing. Uh, but we're nowhere near that, it seems to me. So Congress has done a good job of supporting this market. Oh, oh what a setup. Yeah. <laughs> what well a set. said. Maybe this is their plan. <laughs> what about politics, sir? So you know, lots of politics and geopolitics. We obviously have an election coming up here. And um, a lot of posturing. Obviously, all eyes are focused on the U.S. Senate. Uh, will the Republicans uh, gain the uh, required uh, six seats to take control? Yes, they will. A lot of back and forth on that. There are a lot of races that are close. Uh, it's 50-50, maybe 60-40 the Republicans ha- have a shot. Of course, um, uh, we'll still see the Democratic president and the Republican House, and uh, that has a lot to do with um, legislation that relates to money and, of course, uh, the markets, and that, so that standoff still exists. Interestingly, geopolitics have been in the headlines, it seems like, all year long with an increasing list of hot spots to worry about, and yet the market keeps going up. Scratch your head, what's that about? Well, I think the market is correctly said. Ah, I see a new hot spot. I'll read the headline. I'll read the article. Pause for a minute or two and ask the question: Is this geopolitical problem causing a problem with the U.S. economy or earnings? And correctly, today they said, "Well, no, not really." And after a day or two of pausing, it goes back to its creeping higher. And I think that's the right order of the day. Well, now, Bob, I understand that, but when we're talking about Eastern Europe and we're talking about the Ukraine and we're talking about the trading partners with the EU, I mean, is there some potential that that, you know, and, and we think about the, the uh, oil and the energy that flows from Russia through the pipelines in Ukraine, could that potentially impact but, profits? But yesterday, yesterday in the headlines, I think, on, in U.S. news was, Russia, can Russia be stopped? And, and that's kind of the question. And Russia can't be stopped. That's why they're negotiating. U- Ukrainian government is negotiating with the separatists sure. right now and, and would like to see a ceasefire. And they may have a political pr- uh, solution, and I think that would be exactly what Vladimir Putin wants. Yeah, that, that all makes sense. He, he will have gained some of the things he wants to and perhaps all he 
can now, and, and that's perhaps where we end up. Look, the, 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 the good news or bad news coming out of the, the, that, that part of the world is far more relevant to Europe than it is to the U.S. I mean, I'm not putting a, you know, a, 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 a blinder on to say it doesn't matter to the U.S. Of course it does, but from an, a near-term economic and earnings standpoint, it really doesn't matter to the U.S. It does matter to Europe, as we mentioned in the first half. So, in summary, sir, if you could uh, give us that uh, minute summary of what, I mean, again, you've covered so much in the listeners. I mean, we get so many comments about when you're on the program. But what's your summary statement that all, I guess, that we kind of take away from from your counsel, your wise counsel, and then your predictions for the rest of the year? Yeah, so... It seems to me, Jim, investors uh, need, need to recognize that uh, the U.S. economy, as we said, your very first question, is in the process of upticking uh, from, I'll call it, uh, less than uh, necessary to about what's required. That's good change. Uh, and as a result, earnings should do a bit better, uh, and the stock market should be just fine. Just fine doesn't mean it's going to appreciate it 20% per, plus per annum as it has for the last five years on average. But it does mean that stocks are probably going to do better than most other financial assets. So for my, for my money, whatever my normal asset mix is, I want more than normal in equities, less than more, more normal in fixed income. I don't want much cash unless I need it for a near-term purpose. Within equities, I want to overweight the U.S. I want to be nibbling on emerging markets in weakness. Uh, and I want to make sure that I'm in companies that have great free cash flow. That I could take every bit of that. I wrote most of it down. <laughs> I've got a recording of the program. <laughs> right. I'm going back to the office and going to work. As I like to say, if that fails, just buy low and sell high. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. You can follow Bob if you would like. Just simply his um, hashtag on Twitter is at Bob Dahl Nuveen, and just uh, follow Bob on Twitter. And I mean, just tons of wisdom, tons of counsel. Uh, always Chief Equity Strategist, Senior Portfolio Manager for Nuveen Asset Management, a dear friend, a great guy as far as wise counsel, and I uh, I think I wrote that down. I, I definitely will remember every bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, thank you so much, sir. I know you're a busy man. We appreciate you all the time when you're on the program with us. Thank you, sir, for your counsel and Thanks your wisdom. Thanks for the opportunity, gents. Have a good day. Yes, sir. Thanks, Have Bob. a great day. Yeah, you know, again, you can't uh, you can't really put a put – a, I mean, that's just solid advice. Well, and this is the thing. Bob is incredibly smart, so he knows the details, and he can reduce that down to something that we can understand, something that talks about the themes, uh, but taking all that into account. And I think ultimately that's the way we need to look at it because it's just that simple sometimes. Buy low, sell high, you know, be diversified. Uh, it's, it's that kind he, of stuff he covers that we have to hold that, on to. He covers that extremely well. And, again, we're going to come back and talk more about the nine investment pitfalls that people get caught up in, especially in this type of market. When we talk about low volatility and, uh, you know, this current bull market in the S&P 500, it's turning five and a half years old. Five and a half years next old. Next week. And it's and, been a good run. And, and, yeah, that's and, and during which the stock, you know, is read, you know, we've had 77 all-time record closing highs. That's pretty amazing. 77 new all-time highs. And, and, and if you would have asked us in 2008 if we would have done that over the next five years, think anybody would have said that? But, you know, it's not even close to the record. That's right. Nine and a half years. That's in the 90s. 308 times all-time highs. 308 all-time highs. I love the 90s. I mean, it's really, <laughs> we're, you know, it's, uh, it's just, uh, you know, we're going to talk about more. What are the pitfalls when we come back?
If you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning on AM 990, the voice of Memphis. And of course, this program is brought to you every Friday morning by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan, it's about the results. Now let's take a quick break, uh, go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment, but stick around. We will be right back with nine investment pitfalls you should try to avoid. Thank you for joining us, and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. Jim, I got so excited about having Bob Dahl on that I forgot a couple of housekeeping items. You do the housekeeping. Okay. If you would like to come out to the Germantown Festival tomorrow, we are having a secure child event, so bring your kids by our tent. Uh, it's going to be uh, the Green Shoemaker tent located by the uh, located by the Germantown Police. Come in. We'll put together an ID card for your kids. Uh, it's a great way to uh, protect them. Again, I, it's right next to the police guys. Right next to the police guys. Located. <laughs> I heard that. I what did that. I say? You located it. I like located. I'm glad to see did that. Did I say that? I did do I that all the time. Did I make a mistake? You made a mistake, and I <laughs> love it because one. I do it all the time, and you never make a mistake. Oh, so, so I, not I just, true. You, you saw me smiling. But I, you did, and I thought it was something I said, but I did not realize oh, I had said I located by I the Germantown police. It. That's the first time in years, so that's good. I, you know, it makes me feel better because I fall all over the Not the first time in years. <laughs> but do come by the tent if you've got yes. some uh, young kids. It's a, a great way to protect them. Exactly. And, uh, you know, again, that secure child is something we've been doing for a long time. And now we have people coming back because they maybe had the picture and the fingerprints and the things that we do for those the children. You know, it's always the police test says to us, if we have something that we can look at and work with, it's much better for us to try to find a picture that is not always the, the type of picture. So these are done according to the standards that the police department want us to do them. Right. And we do those for free. They don't cost anything. And now we have been doing it long enough that we have people bringing their children back as the kids are getting older. And that's the that's the benefit of what we think. It's giving back to the community. Definitely. And we've been doing it to Germantown uh, community, the festival, uh, every year for, I guess, I mean, maybe 10 years. So I'm mean, glad we do it. Absolutely. Nine, Nine investment pitfalls. Investment pitfalls. Well, let's start because, you know, Bob mentioned it, and I think he talks about it. And we, we might use the word uncertainty. We might use the word fear. You know, uh, he's right. I mean, when he says the, the term, and when he talks about an, an unbelievable market or, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those least believable markets. Least believable. I think that's a great statement. I, I'm going to use that more and more because I think that's true. So we want to talk about pitfalls that people get caught up in. And the first one, and I want you really to help us out, is expecting a smooth ride. That's right. No volatility. We no volatility. About. You know, we've gotten into this. And again, we've been spoiled a little bit, as we talked about. We haven't had the volatility in the market, so we come to expect that that's what we're going to have going forward. It's not always the case. Volatility is normal. Volatility is healthy. Uh, we like to see some movement in the market. Again, we believe in active management. Uh, I love to see things go on sale. So for us, when we see volatility, that's very much things going on sale. So if, a, if an investor begins to think that things are just going to continue to go like it is, that is not that's true. Not true. The long-term trend. Now, the long-term trend is and always has been up, and we talk about that in the equity markets. But it's not straight up. It's not a smooth straight. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, mistake number one: 
uh, you know, it's literally expecting. So be this, realistic. Yeah, be realistic. Don't expect this smooth ride. What's mistake number two, sir? Mistake number two, trying to time the market, trying to time the correction, going to cash and waiting for the 10% correction is timing the market. Uh, that is not a strategy that's worked. Some people have been waiting for five and a half years and have missed the 220% well, return know, I, in the S&P. I, we, we see that a lot. And, uh, you know, people get caught up into that. The fear's still there. I, I'm not going to. And, and and we've seen all kinds of political things or news. I mean, today, you could look at this job report today and say, Oh, mercy, you know, maybe we shouldn't do anything. And so you start trying to figure out what's going to happen. And the last time I checked, we can't do that. We can't do that. And we think about all that's gone on over the last couple of years. You know, everything we've had going on with the economy, we were talking about defaulting on the debt. You know, we had the Arab Spring. We had tsunami in Japan. We've had a lot of events that you would think would cause the market to go down. And again, it caused some short-term volatility, but the trend of the market has been up, and we don't try and time that. And even Bob said it earlier is that there's still enough run in the equity side that trying to time the market, you could be literally missing another 12 to 18 months of an upward movement. And you've already missed if you if you've been pondering. I mean, I can you think about going all the way back to two years ago, and, and they're trying to think about what's going to happen. And they people get out of the market or stay out of the market, and now they've missed a, a huge run. Missed a huge run. Yeah, That's 18 right. Months. Yeah. So ex- don't expect a smooth ride. Don't try and time the market, and don't take too much risk. Don't take too much well, risk. Well, just the, the problem is the mistake is taking too much risk. And so that's an issue that a lot of people, you've got to be too, you can't, you know, be too heavily invested in one asset class. Yesterday, I'm working with a client yesterday, and he's got stock options and stock. And we looked at his portfolio, and 70% of his portfolio is in one stock. Wow. And 100% of his portfolio is in equities. Wow. So we have a kind of a big meeting this morning that right. uh, we're going to reallocate. And I know Drew did that yesterday. Right. And that's just simply people forget. Uh, they, they get so busy. This guy's a busy, busy individual. And he need you know, we needed to help him understand. And he did. He immediately saw it. He said, you know, I know it. I just didn't know what to do. That's right. But as you said, you know, don't be too heavily invested in any single asset class, sector, or region. Mm-hmm. So what we've seen now, and I've seen a lot of this this week, uh, is a lot of people were heavily overweight U.S. stocks, and a lot of people have only U.S. stocks. Right. And again, we believe in, in owning U.S. large cap companies as well, but we don't believe that's the only thing you should own. And then, of course, ask yourself the question, is your portfolio correctly structured for your long-term goals, your investment objectives, and your investment horizon? And your appetite for risk. I mean, if you got, we call it the sleep factor. That's right. If you wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried about your investments, you're probably not allocated correctly. That's correct. You're probably taking on too much volatility. And do you have any overlap in your portfolio? Do you have a lot of investments that are basically the same thing, representing the same area of the market? Because that is taking on too much risk. And a lot of times you don't realize that you have that risk. So mistake number three is taking too much risk. Mistake number four. Taking too little risk. <laughs> I kind of knew that was coming, you know. We're I back mean, to the Goldilocks thing. Exactly. Too hot, too, too cold. Too hot, too cold. So what do you mean when you say take too little risk? Well, if you have all of your investments in bonds, bonds are, you know, they're safer. They feel better because, and I say safer from the sense that they don't move as much. So you don't see as many swings in the prices as you see with equities. So it makes people feel better. But as Bob was talking about, you don't have as much upside. So you're 
you're not taking enough risk to, as you said, reach your goals, because that's what you're trying to do is to reach that goal. And, you know, that is a critical issue. When you talk about, you know, the long-term horizon, you, you know, your goals, we see, when I started in the business, and we won't go back to when that was, but we didn't, we did have, no, There was didn't. a stock market then, it right? Was a st- <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cruel. <laughs> you know, what do you think, Art? Can you cut his mic off? <laughs> Oh, that was hard. That was cruel. But no, when you think about it, people retired at 65. And basically, if they lived to be 75, that was old. That was old. Today, we say somebody retires at 65. We have to plan to 90, 95 because we're seeing that today. I'm going to a birthday party in a couple of weeks for a 90-year-old. And I promise you, she didn't have any idea when she turned 65 that she would still be, you know, out there doing things, I mean, at 90. Uh, not not homebound, but doing things at 90. So I guess we have to think about when you're taking too little risk, are you looking long-term? And that's something people have to be very careful with. That's a great point because when you're thinking about that long-term time horizon, you know you have to uh, do a couple of things to make your portfolio work. You, know, you need to outpace inflation. Uh, it is hard to do that without having enough equities in your portfolio. Absolutely, and that's always a critical thing. So mistake number four is literally taking too little risk, but mistake, mistake number five. Mistake number five is the one that can absolutely kill you. All of these others were kind of nibbling around the edges a bit, but this one is bad. Making an emotional investment decision. These are the things that when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong. You know, what happens there is you get your emotions involved, and we've seen this. You get your emotions involved, and so you make a decision, and your emotions are still playing, and you make another one. And make another one. And all of a sudden, you're compounding the problem because your emotions are driving your decisions. And then we talked about, you know, if that forces you to take too much risk, if you felt like you've missed out on something, and then you change your mind, and you're trying to get back into the market, and you're Uh, taking too much risk, then it's just ruinous. You know, one of the things that I think that we do as investment advisors is we spend the time and, and hold the hand of the client. We do. And that is sometimes a comforting thing. I mean, we've been around, we at least do that. And I think what we try to help people understand, obviously there's risk, obviously there's too little, too much, right. there's volatility, the market, and we can't predict the future, but we stick the fundamentals and we hold hands when it's time. And I mean literally, not, not well, I am being literally sometimes. Sometimes it's literally. <laughs> really when there's a crisis and we just avoid the emotions, we try to help them take the emotions out And so as they're making decisions, they're making solid, well-thought-out decisions about what they're trying to accomplish. Well, that's exactly right. And I've I've used this example recently. Uh, My dad called me up recently, and they're traveling today, so I don't know if they're listening. Uh, But he uh, was a little bit concerned about Ebola. Uh, and I sure. was as well. Sure. I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a very dangerous, uh, uh, obviously, uh, disease. And, you know, the potential to weaponize that, I think, is huge. Uh, but his thought was, should we get out of the market? Mm. And, you know, that fear, but that fear, and as I said, it doesn't hit corporate profits. And that's what we have to focus on, the fundamentals. And if your plan hasn't changed, your allocation shouldn't change. Exactly. And I think so many people get caught up with that idea uh, you know, just the, the, the characterization of, you know, the fear, the, their uncertainty. So I think that's good for us to talk. When we come back, I want to just share with you just a few things here that we want to go through. We've got a couple of more, and one of them is diversification, and we talk about that all the time. So uh, that's mistake, actually mistake number six. When we come back, let's talk about that. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on AM 990. Of course, this program is always brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Go on to Facebook, search for our uh, Facebook page, and like us on Facebook. Now let's check out what's going on around town, traffic and weather, and see how the market is doing from Market Watch in New York. But stick around. We'll be right back for the final four investment pitfalls you should try and avoid.
Thank you for joining us. We are talking about the nine pitfalls that investors should try and avoid. And we talked about mistake number six, failing to diversify. I love Warren Buffett said when he said he made a comment one time, and I, I love it. It says that diversification is the protection against ignorance. Protection against ignorance. Uh, I, I like think that. that's great. And what he was really meaning that was when it comes to investing, there's no way to know everything about an investment and there's no way to predict the future. So you diversify. That's exactly right. You don't have a crystal ball to see what's going to be the best performing asset class next year. So you diversify. And we hammer that hard. What's number seven? Number seven, focusing more on returns than managing risk, chasing, chasing hot sectors of the market. Oh, and we see that and we get caught up in that. We have people telling us about that. And the reality is what was hot last year is not hot this year. I mean, we could tell you all about stocks that, you know, one that was, you know, would do 100% last year and this year it's down 50%. So. And I love this statement. This was in something that we had read, uh, is if you have a particular asset class that has outperformed for three or four years, and I was, of course, thinking about the U.S. economy, U.S. large cap stocks, you can know one thing with certainty. You should have invested three or four years ago. <laughs> exactly. All right. So number eight, mistake number eight is uh, in ignoring the impact of taxes. And you know what? So many people forget about that. Well, and it's a big deal. I mean, when you talk about returns, you know, we think about inflation and we want to have returns that outpace inflation, but we also want to see what we have, you know, our after-tax return is. Mm -hmm. And that's an important distinction. And how you position your investments uh, can have a huge impact on that. And people forget to think through that process. And so when you're doing a portfolio and you're diversifying, obviously you don't want to ignore the impact of taxes in your overall return. You have to think about the different tax rates. I mean, for example, uh, qualified dividends from U.S. companies are taxed at a capital gains rate, which is 15 or 20 percent. Ordinary income from a bond portfolio is going to be taxed at your income tax rate, which could be significantly higher. All right. Number nine. That's just the, the, the best one of the bunch. The, this, this is the one. Mistake number nine. <laughs> and, you know, again, it's mistake, but it's reality. And that's why this particular article that we're working through is going to be made available to you. anybody listening. They that's can right. stop by the office and pick it up. But what's mistake number nine? Well, mistake number nine is not seeking professional advice. Well, Okay. And here is the here is the interesting thing it. about this. But in this, and we're saying this a little bit tongue in cheek, and that of course you should uh, seek professional advice if you have some issues, you have questions you want to work through. But they did a study uh, at Harvard and Yale, and they were asking the students to rate themselves against their classmates. Were they a better athlete? Were they a better driver? And pretty consistently, people think they are much better than they actually are. Now we've seen a lot of people that have had phenomenal returns over the last five years because they've been all in U.S. large cap stocks. You did great. Congratulations. Great job. Do not think that will continue like that. <laughs> well, the reality is, too, the Bryn Mawr study tells us a ton. I mean, uh, Del Mar study. Is Brinsa, uh, yes, uh, right. And, the the uh, Del Mar. a ton and uh, just a great job of telling us. I mean, investors uh, don't outperform the market Typically most of the don't. time. And, and I think the old days of achieving steady returns through just kind of a cookie-cutter type of approach – is probably over. And I think that's something we have to, we believe that successfully navigating through this turbulent, and it is turbulent, it is fear sometimes. It is. We need to know about, uh, you know, how to do in diversification, how to do your asset allocation, and how to rebalance. And that's just a common, that's the things that we look at. We do look at the big picture and we hold hands when they need to be holding holding hands. We hold hands, and we look at all of that in the context of your goals, in the context of a financial plan. And I think that's a really, you know, kind of what we do is is what our value is to clients. 
Well, I know. Uh, I hope this has been a good program. Nine, I think nine investment mistakes or pitfalls, and I think we covered them. And I think it's good for people to know. And you're going to make it available to everybody. Right. Stop by the office, twenty one seventy six West Street. Uh, go in and see Miss Judy, and you can pick up a copy of the nine investment pitfalls investors should avoid. And please join us next week. We're going to have a great show. We'll have David Land. David is a chartered financial analyst from Advanced uh, Capital Management. And we're also going to have Paul Rich. Paul is a certified financial planner. He's going to be talking about some of the common misconceptions about money. Should be a really good show. And he is a very, very good planner and been around a long time and does a good job. He really does. And I hope you've enjoyed our show today. We want to thank Bob Dahl. Bob always does. Bob always does a phenomenal job of explaining the economy. And it was great for me to have you to make one mistake. I loved it. It I've made more than one today. After you said that, it seems like I can't say a single word correctly. I love it. (laughs) Unfortunately, we do make mistakes, and that is part of this. But someone who doesn't make mistakes that I do want to thank is Art Frederick, our program director. Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator. Jeff Long, our compliance officer. Katie Brashear and Eleanor Moskovitz, our production assistants. And Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments. Rebecca Brazier, who reads them. I'm Keith Quinn. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.